Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. Would you please bow your head and close your eyes and pray with me? God, uh, in this odd time, we have a little bit more time to reflect on your goodness in our lives. There's so many things that we are praying for in this world, but in this moment, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that at this season of spring, it speaks to us of resurrection, of newness. And we thank you that there will be new things in our lives that are good from you even as a result of this time. We continue to worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> hey, at Lake Forest Church, we love to celebrate God being at work in every person's life. We love to tell what we call our God stories because kids, 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 listen to me. God is always at work in every person's life including yours. It's just whether or not we are paying attention and being attentive. Would you take a deep breath in? God is at work in your life, kids, even the functioning of your, the ongoing functioning of your lungs, the provision of oxygen. God is at work in so many things, including the delight we feel when we pet a puppy. So, we love to tell God stories here. We've asked one of our newest ministry partners if she would tell her God story. And I hope that all of us, children, teens, and adults, you might discover a little bit more awareness of God in your story as you hear hers. What's up, Lake Forest? Uh, my name is Jeff. I am the community pastor here at Lake Forest Huntersville. And one of the things that we love to do uh, is share God stories of folks in our tribe. Uh, now, we need to acknowledge up front, this is the first time we're doing this by Zoom, uh, but we're so thankful for the opportunity to be able to do that, to have that kind of technology, uh, and we're super thankful for Whitney being willing to share. Thank you so much for being with us today, Whitney. Yes. Uh, so, just want to ask you a couple questions. Uh, for example, what was your experience like with church, uh, with God, when you were growing up? So, growing up, um, my parents had me when they were pretty young, 22, and I was baptized Lutheran. Um, but spirituality was definitely not a big part of our lives. It was pretty superficial. Um, my parents divorced when I was about six, and it was very messy. Um, I was surrounded by a lot of chaos and addiction and just toxic relationships, stuff that kids shouldn't be exposed to. Uh, grew up pretty fast. But um, whenever I started to be around friends who were Christians and go to church with them, I always felt like I knew that God loved me and that I wanted that for myself as well, but I never felt worthy enough. I always felt like an outsider. Like I was too broken and like there was no way God could love me as much as he loved my friends because of everything I'd been through. Um, I do feel like once I moved to North Carolina and met my husband, I kept giving church another try, but it always felt like I couldn't fit in. Um, I never felt like a church really spoke to me and felt like I could connect with God in the way that I was craving. Well, so what is it that prompted you to give church another try? 
So after my husband and I got married, um, we struggled with infertility for a really long time. Um, and in between all of that, we kept trying churches. It was really important to my husband and I believed in God. I just never felt like I could belong. And so through all of our infertility struggles, the heartache and just frustration that comes with that, I'd kind of given up. And randomly one day in the middle of an adoption process, we found out that we were pregnant. Um, with our daughter and I right then and there just kind of felt like this was a sign from God and that I needed to plant this faith seed for my family and so we talked about it a lot and still didn't really feel comfortable trying a church and then um, one day I was found myself in Defined getting a coffee and saw the mission statement of Lake Forest and you know for people who have given up on church but not on God and that was exactly how I felt. Um, and so we decided to to try service one day. My daughter was probably one at the time and I had already had another baby, my son. And so we tried church and you were actually um, <laughs> preaching and looked over and you know, my husband, he's like, do you feel welcomed now? And I definitely did. And so we've been coming ever since. So uh, what is it about your experience at Lake Forest that made you feel like, you know what, not only am I willing to come, but I actually want to make this place my spiritual home? So a big part of that was how comfortable that I felt in my background, in my history. You know, I wasn't broken. I wasn't unworthy of God's love. And I felt that through all the people and the atmosphere. But the bigger part, I think, for me at the time was I was a very anxious mom with my first child and with my second. And walking into Kidtropolis to drop Cora off in her classroom, I was so anxious and so nervous, but it was such a warm, loving environment and she loved it. She had so much fun and every time that we went, it just got better and better. And I was able to actually sit in worship service and worship and focus on the sermon rather than worrying about if they were being cared for. And seeing her get so excited to go down the hall into her classroom really was just the icing on the cake for me. It made such a big difference and it made me so happy that she was getting this foundation of faith that I really needed as a young kid but didn't get. And so it just makes me so happy that we're all thriving as a family in a church that we all feel comfortable. That's awesome. Uh, well, first, I want to thank you for having the guts to share your story. Yeah. I know that's a, a real gift to a lot of people. Uh, and now we'll, we'll throw it back to you guys. It amazes me because God can only write the stories that he can write that we can't make up. And the fact that he could take a, a pregnancy uh, to a, a child being, coming into a family's life to a coffee shop to a pastor with uh, tattoos, to a loving environment of a children's ministry uh, can write the story that he's writing in Whitney. And for those of you, also, you're going to get to know Whitney a lot more because she just came on staff with us at Huntersville, and she is going to help shape that loving environment in our children's ministry. Those are the stories that only God can write. And today we're going to actually look at another story that only God can write. And so I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, uh, to turn to the first book in the New Testament. It's a book called Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. And if you, or if you have it on your phone, would you pull it up there? And I want to give you kind of a backdrop of the story that we're going to look at. 
the story of what we know today as Palm Sunday. During the time that Jesus was born, he was born in a time where the people of God, the Israelites, were under two enormous powers. One of the powers that they were under was the power of the Roman government. The other was a spiritual power called the law. Both caused oppression, and both were causing the people of God constantly looking for relief. The Roman government, they ruled with an iron fist, and and those that sat under its power, uh, basically the people of God were their slaves. And so they, they lived under this power of a government that wasn't their own as they waited for their own king to show up. Constantly they're waiting for the Messiah, the Savior, their king to show up and to give relief to bring back the rule of Israel and to bring back relief over the Roman government. They imagined that this king would come in, he'd be strong, he'd be mighty, he would ride in on a white horse, he's powerful armor, a warrior that's coming in to destroy this government and to lift up the people of God again. They knew their king would bring relief and victory. At the same time, though, they were under a spiritual power called the law. And most of them didn't even realize the power that this law had on them. The law of God said that this is what God expects out of a holy life, and this is what God expects you to live like if you're to honor him and if you're to love him. And and to rid your life of all of sin, this law really dictates and shows exactly what you need to do in order to appease him, to have him love you. The religious leaders of that day, they were called the Pharisees, and they made sure that the people understood how much they had fallen short of this law, and they continued to put the pressure of the law on the people, reminding them, God's only going to love you if you do like we do, and you obey the law, even though they weren't obeying it perfectly. So that's the backdrop of the story we're going to look at today. We find this context of the people of God are looking for a king to free them from slavery to Rome, but the king that ends up coming in is the king that's there to free them from the power of the law. We understand this a little bit more by Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. It tells us, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. So our story today, we find Jesus, the Messiah, the king that came to free us from the law. He's now entering into Jerusalem for the last week of his life, what we know today as Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, the day the king they had all been waiting for comes back into Jerusalem. Let me read the story to you. Again, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along. If not, we're going to have it right there on whatever you're watching from. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. 
This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to your daughter, Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees, spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. That's our story. Now, kids, you may not have caught everything that I just read to you, but maybe this will help you to understand a little bit more. Watch this. God's story, Palm Sunday. So part of God's story happened on a day we call Palm Sunday, and it begins like this. Remember how God sent his son Jesus to rescue us? Well, not everybody believed that Jesus was really God's son and the rescuer, but the ones who did believe in him did something pretty cool on Palm Sunday. It started just like any other day for Jesus. He was heading into Jerusalem with his disciples, but before they got there, Jesus did something surprising. He stopped and sent two of his disciples to go get a young donkey from a nearby village. He even told them exactly where the owner had last tied it up. They weren't sure why he needed the donkey, but they obeyed him. Kids, would you be willing to obey Jesus even if he asked you to do something you didn't understand? Anyway, when the disciples got back with the donkey, they threw their coats on its back like a saddle and Jesus climbed up. Pretty soon, the disciples saw why Jesus needed it. See, crowds of people came to the road and started laying coats and tree branches to make a path for Jesus. When this happened, many people recognized that Jesus was a king. Only kings came into a city like this. So Jesus rode the donkey like he was a one-man parade. And the crowds praised Jesus by yelling things like, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and peace in heaven and glory in the highest, because they believed Jesus was the rescuer. But remember how some people didn't believe Jesus was God's son? Well, they told Jesus to make everybody stop yelling. They didn't think Jesus deserved to be treated like a king. You know what Jesus said? He told them, if they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. Well, the people who didn't believe in Jesus didn't like thinking about people or rocks praising him. And that made Jesus sad. He actually started crying. And not just crying, weeping. Here, the people were standing next to the rescuer they'd been wanting and waiting for their whole lives. And they were missing it. But even though Jesus cried, Palm Sunday isn't a sad story. Easter is all about Jesus' amazing rescue, and Palm Sunday is a reminder of just how special that rescue is and how much Jesus loves everyone. And that's the story of Palm Sunday. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. Jesus was traveling. He sent his disciples to get a donkey. People spread coats and branches on the road. They praised Jesus. Some people didn't recognize that he was the king. That made Jesus sad. He had come to rescue them. A few days later, he would show just how much he loves us. And that's a part of God's story. 
We now have the story there in front of us, but I want to help us to understand a few things that are going on in that story, and I want you to recognize a, a few things in it. One is, why do we call this Palm Sunday when the passage that we actually just read has no mention of, a, of palm branches, but it just says that they laid branches down. If you actually turn to John, the book of John chapter 12, John actually tells the story and gives a little more detail and tells us that they laid down palm branches for Jesus to walk on. In the ancient Near East and in the Mediterranean world, the palm was sacred. And actually in ancient Egypt, it represented immortality. The palm branch is actually a symbol of victory, triumph, peace, and eternal life. The king they were looking for would be the one that would ride in, and he would ride in the one they were hoping and looking for. He'd ride in on uh, streets of gold. But this king comes in on a symbol that means victory, on a symbol that means triumph, peace, and eternal life. And so Palm Sunday marks the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem to bring victory, to bring triumph, to bring peace by fulfilling the requirements that the law put on humanity. The second thing I want you to notice in this passage is you notice the people are, are screaming out this word, Hosanna. And today we know this word Hosanna as meaning honor and praise and adoration. But actually then when they're yelling this word Hosanna, it's a Greek word that comes out of the Hebrew. It actually means they're screaming out, help us, save us. And so you have this king coming in on symbols of victory and peace, and the people of God are declaring, help us, save us. But there's a third thing I want you to notice in this story, and it's actually what we're going to be focused on the most today. One of the most important characters in this story is the donkey that Jesus rides in on. Today, I'm going to talk to you mostly about the donkey. Now, I want you to know how encouraging your, your, your Lake Forest Church staff are. I told them that this week I'm going to focus in and I'm going to preach on the donkey and they so encouraging. They said, Mitch, oh, that's wonderful. You are the perfect person to preach on the donkey. Nobody knows more about acting like a donkey than you. So I, I appreciate their, their encouragement and, and that this is my subject matter that I know better than anyone. So what's the importance of a donkey? Why would Jesus ride in on a donkey when the king that they were looking for would have ridden in on a white horse, full armor, a warrior. Well, it would have made sense if Jesus ridden in on that white horse if he was there to overthrow Rome. But he was there to free humanity from the law and the slavery that we are in under the law. Now, kids, there are a lot of famous donkeys out there. I realize that, but I bet no donkey is more famous than the one that you might have as a stuffed animal. So if you're a kid, you have a stuffed uh, donkey somewhere in your house. I'm going to give you 45 seconds to run, go get that donkey, bring it back, and uh, any donkey that you have, go and get it. So 45 seconds, ready, set, go. Now, while they're going to do that, I'm going to actually tell those of you who are listening two donkey jokes that you can tell them when they come back, okay, or actually after the service. Here's the first one. What does a donkey do when you tell him a joke? He haws. 
you're getting about as much laughter on that one as I am in this empty room as well. Here's the second one. This is a lot better. I'm riding in on the back of a donkey down the road. The donkey trips on the road, and he stumbles, and he bucks me off. Whose fault is it? Well, it's obvious. It's the asphalt. You're going to laugh hysterically. Boy, this room is going crazy right now, just like your living room. Okay, kids, I bet you're coming back now and you're wondering, why are my parents just laughing uncontrollably? They'll tell you in a little while. But kids, here's some other famous donkeys, all right? Let me see if you can guess who this famous donkey is. Who is this donkey? This is a donkey I grew up with. We're going to put it on. Who is that donkey? That's Eeyore. Thanks for noticing. You know, that's who I grew up with. There's another donkey that became famous about 20 years ago. Who's this donkey? That's right, that's Donkey from Shrek. There's one more donkey. He actually became famous 40 years ago next year. Look at this donkey. He's actually not really a donkey. Donkey Kong. And Donkey Kong has aged a whole lot better than I have. But these are some famous donkeys. But today's story, I want you to recognize, the donkey in this story was known about 500 years before humanity actually got to meet him. He was told about 500 years before this in Zechariah chapter 9, when Zechariah tells us, see, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so 500 years before Jesus shows up on this donkey, the world knows about him. And yet they still miss that their king is showing up in this manner. They wanted somebody more powerful, mightier, a conqueror, a warrior. And yet Jesus enters the scene on a donkey, which is the symbol of humbleness and gentleness. It was on the back of the donkey that the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem to fulfill the law, remove the slavery of sin on all of humanity. It was on a donkey's back that the one that would bring healing to the world, the one that the king, the people were yelling, help us, he'd be arrested, he'd then be beaten, he'd be betrayed, and then he'd die on a cross. And as we move through Holy Week, We've got to remember the death that Jesus died to free us. And next Sunday, we're going to celebrate his resurrection. But we cannot begin this week without realizing that this whole story began with Jesus coming in on the symbol of humbleness and gentleness to bring victory, to bring relief, to bring eternal life. Salvation, peace, Relief comes in the form of humbleness and gentleness. The donkey tells the whole world that Jesus, the king, the savior, is the one that's going to come humbly to serve, to sacrifice, to bring peace with patience, perseverance. He's going to suffer. He's going to be betrayed, and he's going to die so the world would be free from the slavery of the law and live as God's children, free from working and earning salvation. So what does that mean for us? 
If you're listening and you've not chosen to follow Jesus, I just so want to thank you for uh, listening in today. But I want you to hear this. I want you to hear more than anything. Is I want you to see how the Messiah, the Savior, the King has come in order to free you from a life of bondage. And he's come with great humbleness and gentleness to say to you, I love you. You don't have to perform for me. You don't have to get everything right. In fact, God put the law in place in order to say to all of humanity, there is no way that you can meet the full requirements of what I require for holy living, but you're going to have to trust me that my son dying for you meets that. And God is saying to you, I love you. I want your life to change, not to perform for me, but I want your life to change in order that you will see the fullness of the life that I have created. And I believe that he's saying today that you've, you follow some places that you think of figuring out life and they're not working, but I can help you do that and it be successful and it be a wonderful, wonderful life. So if you're listening today, you've not chosen to follow Jesus, I hope that maybe today you'll trust him a little bit more. He comes humbly and gently. But for those of you who've chosen to follow him, here's my simple point. Here's my simple message to you. Where do you need to follow Jesus by getting back on the back of a donkey? Where do you need to choose humbleness? Where do you need to be a person of peace, of patience, gentleness, willing to sacrifice, to persevere, to give up your life for others? Where do you need to get on the back of a donkey? Folks, if We've got to be honest because we've almost been in this social distancing thing for a month. And we've been asked to stay at home. And for the first couple of weeks, we've made it work. But if we're honest, it's gotten really old. And it's getting harder. And every day we turn on the TV and we think, okay, maybe we're going to hear some relief. But here's the reality. The reality is there's not a sight of relief in in, in our focus right now. In fact, this morning's news was saying that this next coming week is probably going to be our worst week in that. And that's not the news that we want to hear. But if we're honest, most of us are having a far easier time acting like donkeys than getting on the back of a donkey. Now, I don't want you to point to anybody in your house. I'm sure somebody is looking at, don't forget, it's the asphalt, Okay. But one of the, the things I want you to notice this morning, and I want to help encourage us to keep pushing through, because we can be the people that God uses to bring peace and victory. One of my favorite games growing up, as you can probably guess, was pin the tail on the donkey. Pin the tail on the donkey, you're blindfolded, and then after you're blindfolded, you're spun around, and you spin around, and then you're pointed to go and then try and put the tail on the back end of a donkey. Part of this COVID-19, I believe, has been for many of us like pinning the tail on a donkey. We feel like we've been blinded, feel like we've been, our whole lives have been spun around, and yet we're still supposed to stay focused, and we're still supposed to, to try our best to get the tail on the back of a donkey. And what we're looking for is relief, something to take this virus away, something to say, okay, it's over, it's done. And while we're looking for that, we're going to miss that God's called us into gentleness and to humbleness. Jesus tells his followers that it's in by being humble 
being a servant, forgiving, suffering, persevering, laying down your life, that's what's going to bring salvation and relief. So here's my challenge. What ways will you get on the back of a donkey this week? There are times in our life that we just have to stop, recalibrate, get focused on what's more important, most important. Right now, all of us, we're in the middle of this COVID-19. It's a stopping place to say, okay, let's pause. Let's get refocused. That's what I'm trying to encourage you to do. But this isn't just for that. In fact, this has been a great passage for me to sit in. This past Wednesday, I hit a huge milestone in my own life. It was an opportunity for me to pause and to stop and to ask the Lord, Lord, help me get back on the donkey fully. This past Wednesday, I celebrated my 20th year as being one of your pastors here at Lake Forest Church. What a joy it has been for me to be one of your pastors and to know the stories that I've gotten to be used to write, the stories that I've gotten to be able to walk in, what a joy it has been for me to be one of your pastors for 20 years. And so I got the chance to stop and to say, Lord, I want to be fully on the donkey. Help me to do that for these next number of years as well, to be a gentle, a humble, a serving pastor to these amazing people. Where do you need to stop and just ask the Lord, Help me get back on the donkey. Help me to persevere, to serve others, to sacrifice. Parents, I know the mess in the house is driving you crazy. Where do you need to let the mess go just a little bit more? Teens, where do you need to realize there are others who live in that house with you and they truly are bothered by your smelly socks being on the dining room table? Those of you working at home right now, where do you need to understand your new office? I know it's tough but you just took over the rest of the family's office as well. It's tough not being able to get out, and the reality is that addictions right now are going to keep growing because we don't have the outlets that we used to, and if you're struggling with an addiction and it's rearing its head back up again, get back on the donkey. Persevere. And maybe that's just simply by calling someone and saying, I need your help. I need you to pray for me. Get back on the donkey. I know firsthand that Zoom calls have become tiring and irritating, and I bet you're not the only one on that Zoom call who feels that way. And so I want to encourage you on your next Zoom call to be that person who's encouraging. Jesus is calling us to be those that bring victory and peace in life, but it's going to take humbleness, gentleness, and perseverance. And so I'm going to give you two practical ways to live that out this week, and I hope you'll start right after this service by doing this. One of those is I'm going to encourage you to open your Bible and to spend this whole week in Matthew chapters 26 and 27. Maybe you'll read both chapters each day, or maybe you'll just read a little bit each day until you finish it. But Matthew 26 and 27... I'm going to encourage you to read it. And as you read it, ask, Lord, where do I see you being humble and gentle? Lord, where do I see you being persevering? Help me as well to be humble and gentle and to persevere. The second thing I want to ask you to do is I want to encourage you this week to play pin the tail on the donkey. And on your webs, on what you're looking right now, we're putting a link to where you can actually print out a donkey and some tails. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is I'm going to encourage you to cut out those tails. And I'm going to encourage you to think about 
some things that God is calling you to choose to act on this week. Maybe you're going to write on one of those tells, be humble. Maybe you're going to write, be patient. Or maybe, like me, I wrote, for my four, I want to persevere. I want to forgive. This week, I want to be still in the midst of all that's going on. And I want to be an encourager. What would you write on one of these tales? Maybe you need to write, I'm going to call someone this week to tell them I'm struggling. Or I'm going to call someone and ask them, how are you doing? Maybe I'm going to let the mess go. Maybe I'm going to clean up my room. Maybe I'm going to be kind on Zoom calls. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to write it on one of these. And then I'm going to encourage you to put the donkey up somewhere in your house. And when the COVID-19 feels like it's spinning you around, I'm going to encourage you to go and put it right on there and choose like Jesus has chosen to get on the donkey. While we're in the middle of this waiting, we can actually be great people who impact the lives of others and we can bring victory, we can bring peace, we can bring joy in all of the lives that we're around, but it's going to take us following Jesus in the midst of this as we wait on him. Let me pray for us. And after I pray for us, Harrison's going to lead us in a worship song that I'll encourage you to just take some time and to write out what would you want to put on one of these tales this week. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm so thankful for the picture of you riding in a king, bringing victory, bringing peace, bringing salvation on the back of a donkey realizing that it will take humbleness and gentleness, persevering, suffering, and even dying in order to give life. I pray, Lord Jesus, that there's no greater opportunity for those who follow you than to live out this example than this week, Holy Week. So may we be people who change our country change our families, change our workplaces because we've chosen to get on the back of a donkey like you did. Move in our hearts. Allow us to be your followers. In your name we pray. Amen.